Welcome, 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 welcome. Welcome to Faith Over Facts. We are back. We have been on a little break for a season. Honey, we anniversary time, different things going on. But I am super excited to be back before you today. I am Apostle Robin Wilson. I'm super excited to be here with you. I tell you, God is good. He is amazing. Um, and it's so funny. I, I, I'm super excited because, you know, you, I have so many different platforms. I said Apostle Robin Wilson. I go by Robin Renee Wilson on this platform. <laughs> it shows you how busy I am sometimes, sometimes. But God is so good. I'm super excited to be here before you. God is amazing. We have a special guest today. His name is Jason Anderson. The topic is a godly approach to money a godly approach to money I tell you Jason has been in my life for over 17 years he is a jewel he is a blessing I love him and his family so much let me tell you a little about Jason amen Jason has been working as an as a um as a um advisor for 19 years in 2004 14 he's featured in why am I fumbling today I'm fun. I'm like a little nervous. I don't know what's going on, but let me breathe a little bit. Let me, you know what? Let me pray. Let's pray first today. Okay. Uh, Father God, in the mighty name of Yeshua, thank you, Lord God, for allowing us to be in your presence, Lord God. Thank you for just coming before our throne and just guiding this. It's something about today. It's made me have a little, little nervous, you know, so I know that it's going to be amazing. It's going to be ch just changing lives. Lives will be changed this, this, this morning and this evening. Whenever you even hear this, you will be blessed. So, you know what? I just want to just Thank you, Father, for just allowing this opportunity to come forth because this is needed in the community. This is needed, Father. So, Father God, I pray that you will move through this and move through me, move through Jason. Allow this faith over facts to be a blessing. We're super excited to be in your presence. We're super excited for this opportunity. And, Father God, we just thank you for all that you have done and all that you will continue to do. In the mighty name of Yeshua, Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen. Amen. So praise God. I'm going to have Jason tell you more about where, when, he, when he was featured and different things. But we're going to go ahead. I just want to say this. Jason is, is a husband of 14 years and a father of three beautiful girls. I love him. I love his wife. And I'm super excited to have him on our platform. Welcome, Jason. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. See, I got a little nervous, Jason. I was like, wow, this topic is <laughs> going to change some lives. I was like, what just happened? I haven't been. I said, wow, it was a little. I was like, wait, hold on. A little nerves came up. But so that means something's about to happen. I know that God did a mighty thing in my life with the financial thing through this pandemic. He really showed me some things. So I'm super excited to have you here today. You know, so welcome, welcome, welcome. Amen. So can you, before we start, Jason, tell us about you was, you was um, featured in a magazine. What was this magazine? Uh, Forbes magazine. Um, every year they run um, for the subscribers of Forbes, a feature highlighting the financial um, advisor leaders within the different regions. And so back in 2014, I was featured in Forbes and, and that, what led up to that was I've done a lot of uh, educational work in the community, educating just um, people in the area of financial finance. Mm -hmm. And so I've done workshops. I partnered with the, um, the uh, AFL-CIO, doing a lot of workshops for, for union groups with, with Los Angeles, City of Los Angeles, mm -hmm. um, as well when companies have gone 
to a point to where they have to displace workers or lay off workers, go in and do workshops and, you know, and so that work led up to the point where I ended up being featured in Forbes. Hey man, that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm, I'm super excited for you. Wow. That's awesome. You're amazing. I remember when you came you. and you did a conference for, we had did like a workshop. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody is still talking about that workshop that you did. It's, they still is talking about that workshop. Um, Jessica just came on and said, hi, Uncle Jason. <laughs> she just came <laughs> on and said, hi, Uncle Jason. It, um, yeah, so yeah, God is, he's good. And I remember people still was just talking, they constantly t- was telling me about how they, their life was changed financially after that workshop that you did with, um, with us. It was just amazing. So, Jason, can you tell us about a fun fact about yourself? You know, you in the financial, you know, you, you're, you're a husband and a father. But what's a fun fact about Jason? Well, there's a couple, I guess, the unique thing that that's happened. Like, my name is Jason Anderson, which is, I mean, it turns out it's, it's so common. Like, literally... In college, I had another classmate named Jason Anderson in my class, which was crazy. Um, I've actually met two people in my life. I call them my birthday twins because we were born the same exact day, September 8th, wow. 1979. Wow. You know, um, I did a training two weeks ago. I was a part of a training. And in the class, it was an Anderson and it was another guy that was named Jason. So no matter where I go, <laughs> I'm meeting somebody that... You know, it's super common and, and or I have something super in common with to that degree, which is just crazy, you know. And of course, I'm a girl dad. So all I know is is women. Um, what's funny about that is my mother, um, I have a brother and a sister and we have seven kids and my, my, my siblings, all girls. Wow. Wow. My sister, my sister just had her a baby girl a week ago. So <laughs> we were, we were, we were, we were holding our, crossing our fingers that she would have a boy, but it don't look like it's going to happen. So I tell my wife, Hey, it's my fault, but it's really not my fault. It's just part of my family at this point that we don't have boys. So it is what it is. Well, well, you said it's seven <laughs> girls, right? You said it's seven, seven girls. So seven, seven is seven is perfection and, and um completion. So maybe <laughs> the next person maybe. might be because eight's new beginning. So maybe eight would be the new beginning yeah. for a boy in the in the in the family. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll so see. cute. <laughs> wow, that is adorable. Wow. So Jason, so tell us, you know, the spiritual approach to money. What is a spiritual approach to money? Can you share share that with us? Yeah, and what I like to do as far as I like to go to the basics, the very foundation, right? And so I know what I'm about to say a lot of times, you know, you hear it in in church and it's really referred to giving, but it's another side to it. And so every one of us has been given three gifts in life. You've been given time, you've been given a talent, and you've been given treasure, right? And we know, you know, through ministry that, you know, 10% you tied, right? Mm-hmm. But there's another 90%. Mm-hmm. And and what we do with that other 90% is what allows us to get ahead financially in life in terms of how God blesses us, mm-hmm. but as well as the many topics we're going to go over through this through this hour in terms of really getting ahead in life, you know. And so what I like to also talk about is the parable um, that Jesus spoke to where you had a, a a master who was going on a long trip and he gave his three servants money. He gave one servant five bags of silver, another servant two bags, and, and one servant one bag. 
Mm-hmm. So this service that was given five bags d- doubled doubled the investment invested, doubled it, earned ten bags, or earned five bags with a total of ten. The servant with two bags, he went to work and earned mm-hmm. money and and was able to grow it to grow two bags and have four. Yeah. And the servant with one bag, he buried it and did nothing with it. Mm-hmm. When the when the master came back, he praised the two servants that earned money on the money and the servant that that hid or buried the money, he rebuked, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. and took his bag and gave it to the servant that, that had 10. And at the end of that story, essentially what it said was, in terms of the verse, what it basically said was that God will bless those who do something with what That's you're giving. That's it. But if you That's sit it. on it and do nothing, guess what? You're going to have mm-hmm. nothing, mm-hmm. right? That's so true. And That's so true. that's that's where we're getting at today and, and what we want to encourage you to understand that there's an energy you have to have around what you're giving, the money that you have, the treasure you have mm-hmm. to influence it and do something with it. And then through that, you're going to be blessed so much more. You can't expect yes. God to give you more of what you don't have that's if you're not doing something with what he's already given. That's great. You wow. know, so that's the point. Amen. Jason, that's powerful. Wow. I love it. Wow. So, Jason, tell us, what do you specialize in? What is your specialty? What do you specialize in? Um, I specialize in retirement planning, college planning, and and also specialized tax planning. Um, And so essentially what that means is for people who are really looking toward retirement, what you should be doing, how you you should be positioned to be able to enjoy your retirement. Okay. With college planning, it's about really getting the, the most free money that you can um, and how to position to do that. Um, because we know th- how how bad the debt crisis is when it comes to student loans and things of that nature mm-hmm. for us when we come out of, of, of graduating from college. Mm-hmm. And then with tax planning, it's just the idea there is you want to give what to Uncle Sam or the IRS, how yes. you look at it. What is old? Nothing more, nothing less. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> and so there, the idea is know what the rules are so you can do that where you're not giving away more money than you should. Mm-hmm. And in terms of with the African-American community, you know, many of us aren't living a great legacy behind. Because we just don't we, we just haven't been taught what and how to do. And taxes mm-hmm. play a huge role in that. A huge, huge role in that in all phases of life. So, so the idea is is to to make sure we we give what we're supposed to, and nothing more, nothing less. Right. That's good. That's good. That's great. That's great advice. Wow, I love it. I love that. So, um, how can so when how do you keep how do we stay on track of our goals? You know, financial. We have financial goals. How can we stay on track? Because sometimes we get off track because we stuff comes up and. We're trying to use that money for this, trying to use that money for that. But how do you stay on financial track for your goals with your finances? Can you explain to us? Well, the basic foundation that is hard. I mean, believe me, if you, you know, when you're, I'm 41, if I, if I didn't look at th- this perspective that I'm about to give when I was 20, it's very hard to convert to that immediately. But, but the idea is there's an 80-20 rule, right? You give 10, you pay yourself 10, and you live off of 80. If you get to that point and you're able to do that long enough, you're going to have a good, solid foundation. Um, I know we may talk about emergency funds and, and how much you should have and 
and how important that is. But the idea is if you're paying yourself, you will always have some level of cushion to fall back on. Can you break that down right. one more time? I don't think they got that. You give God right. 10, you give yourself 10, yep. and you live and you, and, and you live off the you, 80. Break that, you live, live off, off the 80. 80. Live, can you break that live off the 80 down a little more? Because some people get the 10. <laughs> I might be to some people. <laughs> you give yourself 10 and live off the 80. Can you break that down a little more? What does that really mean? So basically, um, when you look at how much money you're bringing in, mm-hmm. right, um, and you figure out, okay, what is 80% of my income, right? If you make $3,000 a month, you know, what's 80% of that? Essentially, mm-hmm. that would be essentially $2,400, right? Mm-hmm. And we know, you know, your rent, your, you know, lifestyle and different things that factor in, but you want to go no you want to live up to no more than passing that edge or that cliff of 80 percent you know um and that's why i said it's easier when you're younger because you don't have all the responsibilities and if you start that out when you're younger then yeah you can grow into it but but the idea is is that if you can get down to that 80 percent figure you're you're going to have a stable lifestyle and there's not much that can happen in your life that you you won't be somewhat able to overcome, you know, as a general rule, if you're living within 80, you know, within 80% of your income. That's good. Right. It does require discipline, you know, Mm -hmm. um, of course, like anything, Mm -hmm. but, um, but, but the idea is you have a, a, a solid financial foundation. If you can, if you can get down to that 80% or below that 80% level. So really you're saying <laughs> that's really good. Thank you for breaking that down. So that 10%, it just seems, cause you know, it's so funny when God says give 10%, then you're like, I have to give God 10%. And you feel like it's so much money to give God this 10% of your, of your hundred dollars. If you have a hundred dollars and you have to give yeah. God 10% and you say, I have to give him. But when you think of it as $10, oh, $10 of a hundred dollars is not bad much. But when you start getting more then you're like, Oh, I got to give him what I made a thousand. Mm-hmm. I got to give him how much, you know what I mean? And so then, and then it seems, but the thing about it is when you think about that 10% for God, you think, Oh my God, there's so much money I have to give God. But when you think about that 10% for yourself, see selfish, then you're like, Ooh, I could only live off of 10%. <laughs> of my of my check now but when it was given that 10 percent to god you're like oh it's so much but when it's to pay yourself jason this is deep then you're like wow 10 percent for and i and I, my girls my girls practices it's it's amazing i taught them to tie at a at a young age we well me, me and my husband both taught them to tie at a young age but my girls literally i don't live by the 10 percent i need to <laughs> Help me, Lord. That's why you're here, Jason. Help you, help me, help and help me. But I'm learning to do better. But my children, they live by that 10% rule. They only pay, literally, I heard my daughter the other day, I put this so much away and my savings is this. I have this to live off of. And I'm like, uh, and I don't know if it's because I'm self-employed and I get cash constantly. You know, you get paid constantly yeah, like yeah. that. So I look at things different. But my girls, they are so very disciplined in this area. They will not do anything until they get their next paycheck because they already spent their their earnings for that month. And I think that's amazing. So, well, how you know, can what's, we... what's funny, what's funny about that? I want to add something, Robin. What's funny about that is for those who don't save ten percent, it doesn't mean you're not paying yourself. 
what society has basically taught us is through spending for, on ourselves, that's essentially paying ourselves. So when I get my, when I get paid and I go buy a new pair of shoes or I go and treat myself to, you know, a vacation or whatever, in your mind, you are paying yourself through spending money, right? So is, so the idea is, is to pay yourself in a, in a way that you're saving because if you if you abuse that, then yeah, that's how you go into debt because you have a mind of of paying yourself through spending on yourself versus actually saving. Ooh, that's so good. Yourself, right. Ooh, so it's not good. that we don't pay ourselves; it's how we pay ourselves is is what it comes down to, right? Because we do do things that we enjoy. We do have a we do enjoy the benefit of having money. It's just how are we using that. You know. Ooh, we. That's good. Even you paying for yourself now. Are you paying yourself for the future? Which how are you gonna? What's your investment? Yeah. <laughs> this, that is yeah. so good. Woo wee! Yeah. That's some good. That's that's teaching right there. Wow, you that was deep. If I could just put the fire emoji up, they, that was like fire emoji right there, Jason. Wow, that right there. If you didn't get it, that's that you put some fire under us. That is so good. Either you paying yourself now, living for the now, or you living for the future. How are you living? Ooh, that's ooh, that's good. That's really good. Wow. Thank you. I needed that one. Ooh wee! I, I I can't even sit still on that one. <laughs> yeah, that's really good, Jason. Wow. Take and then Jason Jessica says, take care of your future. That's really good. Wow, that right there is that's really good. That's like that's that's what I'm talking about, Jessica. Fire. Amen. Wow, that's really good. So listen, right here, the I, I also want to just can you? T- ooh, I, I can't. I might even. I don't want it. That's so good. That's so good. So I feel like with that one, I want to skip down to um, just that emergency fund. How, so how do that emergency fund? So if you have your 10 percent, you give you give unto God. Right. Right. We know Caesar's going to have his regard. He's going to take theirs out straight automatically. But that 10 percent to God and then you got the 10 percent to yourself and you have your 80 percent to um, even it's really for yourself, too. But it's for your your living expenses. Now, tell us about that emergency funds. Is that significant? What is, where yeah. does that come in? Well, it is very significant. Um, and one, because work life in, in, in this day and age is not stable. Like for our grandparents, in some cases, or our parents, employment was very, very uh, much more stable than it is today. Most people work through several employers before they retire or before you can have one employer and expect that to be what you do and who you work for, for your whole career. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so the idea with emergency fund is as a general rule, three months of your living expenses saved is adequate for your emergency fund. Okay. That's money. When we say emergency fund, that's money that you have put aside that you're not investing. You're not, you know, trying to grow it anyway, you just have it set aside, right? Um, for when that emergency happens, right? The car breaks down or loss of job or, you know, whatever circumstance that comes in where you need money. As a general rule, three months is typically good enough. And if you have a, other investments and things of that nature, you need more than that, you have time to get it. But you know the easiest way to get money is to go down to Chase or Bank of America and pull it out, right? If you have to make a phone call or write a letter, it's going to take time to get to you, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea is about three months of your savings. I mean, three months savings 
which is equivalent to three months of your expenses. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Wow. Yeah, Carol said yes. Emergency fund is paramount. Is it, you know because she's in the finances too. Wow, that's good. That's okay. good. Amen. Okay, that's that's great. Wow. Okay. And um and so I think I I think I'll do pretty good because I've been teaching my girls and we with my husband with that emergency fund of the three months. So that's pretty good. Sometimes I found I felt like when life hits you and things happen and you have to start going into your emergency funds. And it was so funny because we found ourselves where we had to go into our emergency funds for our business because it it was at a at a at a you know it was at a it was at a it was in a really bad place for a minute you know and we had to use our emergency funds for it but then then here comes the pandemic and I was like wow we already had to dip into our emergency funds to save our business and mm -hmm. then now pandemic hit. And we didn't get any loans or, you know, grants or anything. And it was kind of like, wow, what do you do when they when they're saying, no, they're not going to give you the loan. But yet and we already was dipping into our emergency fund. And that was like hard in the middle of a pandemic when we didn't have that emergency. We didn't we had to use our emergency funds to save our business. And then now mm -hmm. the pandemic hit. What God taught me was he's the source. That's when I found God as a source because it was like I always knew God as my source, but I had to learn him in another form when the pandemic hit. So it's so important to have that emergency fund. But in my case, it was kind of hard because we had to use that. Mm -hmm. And then it, another disaster hit. So it was crazy, mm -hmm. but I'm still standing. Because of the grace of God. So that's why it's so important to have. I love that we're that we're talking about this, Jason, because I think it's so important to have understand to have that emergency fund. And, and when I went to the bank and I was talking to my bank, my personal banker, he said to me, Robin, guess what? The good thing about it is, thank God you had a credit card. Because I was complaining that I had to use my credit card to survive. But he said, thank God you even had a credit card. Do you know how many people don't even have the credit? To help mm -hmm. themselves in a time of crisis. So he told me, so the good thing, yes, you might be stressed out that you have to use your credit card in the midst of this pandemic and everything that was going on. But thank God you even had it. So, you know, so that was that was a good thing, too. So I had to learn. Don't always cry and complain about things. It's, sometimes it's good. And then when it gets better, get that credit card paid back off. So now, I'm, you know, don't have that credit debt because guess what? Yeah. When they put us back to work, I took care of my husband. You know, I'm married to a man, money man too, the number man. We had to get that credit <laughs> together. So, you know, but it's, it's very important to have good credit. Let's talk about the credit. So we know emergency funds, you said three months. It's <clears> good <throat> to have a savings of three months. Can you tell us about just, you know, how to... How, how, how can you handle your debt rate, improve your debt ratio? And also another question, what's the most, let's answer that one first. So how can you handle your debt, improving your debt ratio? What about that? Can you talk to about, us about that, Jason? Well, gen generally speaking, as far as credit goes, you know, the, the main factors that's looked at is what your credit history, how long have you had? your credit. So generally speaking, you want to keep, if you have a credit card, keep it. Even if you don't use it, keep it. Don't close it because it's part of your credit history and it shows, okay, I've had this card for, for 10 years, 15 years, and the balance is zero. Um, but it, so it's still a positive effect, even if you don't use it. Ooh, um, as far as your, your credit card balances overall, it doesn't, if, it doesn't matter 
if you're if you have a high um, if you use close to a limit one credit card, so they it, what they do is they look at the balance of all your cards and they build it together. And if you're under fifty percent or even thirty percent of your total what you owe on your credit compared to your your limits, you're doing very good, and it's your your credit is being affected positively. Um, generally speaking, in terms of increasing your credit rating, um, they do look at your debt to to, to income, right? Um, but and especially when you're purchasing a home, um, if you're not purchasing a home, it's more so what I was mentioning before: what are your 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 credit limits versus what you've actually used. Um, per se. Um, and so you want them to have that be as low as possible. And the best case scenario, if you have discipline, you can charge everything and pay it off. And that looks even better. But that's only for people who have the discipline enough to at the end of every month, go ahead and pay that because you don't want to pay interest or spend more than what you can afford consistently. And then that's what leads you to end up having high credit balances as far as that goes. That's good. That's really good. I noticed that with um with your wife, because I'm friends with your wife. Of course, she's like my little sister, yeah. or like my little daughter. <laughs> um, One of the things she did when she will come to serve, get her hair serviced by me, she always paid a certain pay. She paid. She had either she had her stuff in an envelope or she paid everything. She paid everything off at the end of the year. Not in the, I mean, at the end of the month, yeah. she taught me that. Yeah. She taught me, Robin, yeah. pay everything off of one. Don't use all these different cards. Use one card. And at the end of the mm -hmm. month, pay it off. And I was like, what did you say, Veronica? I didn't mean to say her name. Sorry, but I didn't mean to say her name. <laughs> but what did you say? And when she said that, it really stuck. I was like, wow, that's like so deep. Like, you know, like use this one card, pay. And then at the end of the month, pay it off. You know, you're going to you have to pay it anyway. You was going to use it. So you don't use your bank card. Use your credit card. And it builds up. When she taught that, I was like, girl, I, that's some good stuff, Veronica, you know, since I already said her name. But, um, but yeah, that was good. <laughs> so do you agree with that? That's basically what you were just yeah. saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. But, you, but I agree with that if you have the discipline. If you're the type of person where you can't, you need credit cards is, is, is very hard for you, then no, you operate more on cash. You know, gotcha. doesn't mean you don't use the card at all, but you don't use it for all your purchases and pay it off at the end of every month. Mm -hmm. It isn't as necessary to build a good credit score um, because as long as your balances are low in comparison to what your limits are, you're still OK. Oh, that's great. That's great advice. It's good. So it just depends on the type of person you are. If you're disciplined, yeah. do it this way. But if you're not, just keep your balance low. That's great. That's really good, yeah. Jason. Thank you. Thank you. That's really good. Wow. Wow, that's really, really good. Um, what is the most reliable way to pay off debt? So how what is what do you suggest for us to pay, pay off debt? What's a reliable way? Well, the one one method that works really well is called the snowball method. Mm -hmm. And so essentially, if you have three credit cards, let's say one balance is a th is one thousand dollars, another balance is five thousand, another balance is ten thousand. Will you pay the one thousand off? And then you take the money that you're saving and you pay the 5000 off. And you take the money you're saving and you pay the 10000 off. And, and so that method works really well because you feel some level of accomplishment mm -hmm. because you have actually reached the goal of paying one of the cars off. Where if you, 
if you try to pay the 10000 off, that may take a lot longer. And for some people like dieting, you just can't make it through, Ooh. you know, and <laughs> and you get discouraged and then you, you don't end up, you know, reaching a goal that you have. So that's that's one method that works really well. Um, not necessarily focusing on the highest interest that you're paying on each card, but you're looking at, okay, I'm still knocking it out and I'm mm-hmm. feeling a sense of, I'm feeling a sense of accomplishment along the way, okay. you know, okay. cause it's about reaching the end goal, you know? So mm-hmm. that's one method that works really well. That's great. Jason. Ooh, you're great. You're doing, you, I mean, you're teaching, you breaking it down for us today. So um, also can, saving for retirement and for your children's education. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. The key thing about retirement, and a lot of us, I want to try to clear up a misconception when it comes to retirement. Um, the, 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 the purpose of, or at least how we're trained, is you, you graduate from high school or you graduate from college, right? Mm-hmm. And you get a job, right? Now, the question I have for you, Robin, is when you get that job, do they give you $2 million and say, okay, um, uh, um, you know, you're hired, we'll give you $2 million and however you handle the money through your career is however you handle it. No, or no. do they pay you $15 an hour and say, okay, we're going to give you X amount of dollars each month or each week, right? Yeah. Yes. They pay us $15 an hour, right? Mm, yes. So I bring that up because when we think of retirement, we're thinking about it from the standpoint of accumulating a large sum of money. Right. Let's just say two million dollars. Right. Yes. But the the real idea of retirement is replacing our income. Right. So if I'm making three thousand a month, how close can I get to receiving the same three thousand a month when I retired Mm -hmm. as I was when I was working? So I bring that up to say that if you have two million dollars, that's great. But the real trick is how can I make sure that two million dollars gives me enough income that I need? Mm-hmm. not having the money per se, right? Because you can generate the income you need with less than $2 million if you're using the right financial products. But if you're just thinking about it from the standpoint of let me have this large lump sum of money, mm-hmm. that's not actually what it seems in terms of what you actually need. You need income in retirement, mm-hmm. right? So another misconception is let me be debt free, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to make sure my house is paid off, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say your house is paid off, right? And between social security and your, your, your income, other income, let's just say you're getting 3000 a month, mm-hmm. but your expenses are, are, are 4000 a month. Wow. It's great wow. that your house is paid off, but your income poor, right? Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening? At some point, you either have to refinance that house that you paid off or you have to sell and downsize, mm-hmm. right? Or you get a reverse mortgage or some other type scenario, right? So I said to say is being debt-free in retirement isn't as important as making sure you have the income you need. That's great. In retirement. Ooh, that's it's deep. All Ooh, about Jason. Income. You know, it's about having the income, right? And so um, and so and then with that income, making sure that it's stable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? So in other words, when you retire, if you keep your money in the market, um, let's just say you retired and you had 90% of your, your assets in the, in the stock market and you keep it that way, 
Well, if if a year like last year happens, then what happens to what, what situation are you in? You know, do you pay yourself less or do you have to go back to work or, you know, whatever, if, if there's some type of economic downturn. So I say it to say you want to make sure the, the inc- not only do you, you you figure out how to generate the income you need out of your money, but that, that you have a stable and you use the stock market for what it's good for, which is you keep it in there long term and you don't necessarily need to touch it. And when when the stock market drops, you have enough time to allow it to recover. And over time, it always grows. It's the in-between, you know, as far as that goes. Repeat that because it kind of went out. What did you say is the in-between? I said, I said it's, the, it's, the, it's the in-between that you have to be careful of when okay. the stock market does have a downturn. What do you do during that time before it recovers? Mm-hmm. That's good. That's right? really good. And when you're, reti- when you're retired, you don't always have that time to allow it to recover if you have too much money in there. Wow. Okay. Wow. That's good. That's really good, Jason. Wow. That's good. That's great. So, wow. Ooh, so, that was really and what, good. And so as far as college savings, you know, um, they're, the key with, with, with college savings is just making sure that you understand how FAFSA works in terms of the federal student student um um, grants and loans and things of that nature. And there are p- financial products that are somewhat what's considered invisible to the what's counted as an asset. And so as you, as your, your child gets near age, you just want to make sure you have your assets positioned in a manner that allows you to get the most financial aid possible. And of course, you know, rules change over time. So you just have to make sure either abreast of those, those rules are or working with a financial professional that is mm-hmm. so that you can, you know, basically get the most for what's offered or what's available at the mm-hmm. same time, you know, um, you know, being have the best terms. Because even the long terms are different okay. depending on your financial situation, you know, in terms of what, what assets you have. So, you want to make sure you obviously you do save for college for your child. Um, that's very important. Um, and then just have your assets positioned in a manner where you're able to get the most, you know, what is available when it comes to financial aid. Uh, and, and, you know, make sure your kid is going, of course. I think it, it kind of went out again. Can't hear you, Jason. Once, Jason, we can't hear you. Hmm. Jason, we can't hear you. Hmm. This is so good. Told you the enemy, he thought he's going to win, but he's not going to win. We're going to get this back up. Hold on one second. Let's see. Jason? Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay, we can hear you now. Yes. Perfect. Yes. Okay. Um, so I was saying, you know, you just want to make sure you're working with professionals or stay abreast to, to, um, to what, you know, the rules are and just mm-hmm. to be positioned, you know, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, the more you're able to save, the better, um, for your, for your child as well. Um, but, you know, you want to stay 
position in terms of where we started, you know, live off with live off the 80 and 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 save and grow um, from there and and just uh, make sure that, um, you know, you you prepare, you know, for what the college environment is. Obviously, in this environment now. They're actually talking about pay, helping people pay off their loans and I know you know That's for great. X amount of dollars, which is good. So I just bring that up to say that things do t- change, time does change. Even with the pandemic, schools are more because a lot of kids are questioning, you know, going to school more now in terms of the more expensive schools. They're actually get trying to give more to get kids to come now than they That's were true. five years ago. That's so true. you want to stay abreast of that um, and and navigate the environment at the time. Wow. That's great. Ooh, that was really good. Okay. Well, um, so let's see. It was a question. Did you text it or did you, I don't know if it was text or it was, I don't see it. I'm going to have them put it in the chat, the question in the chat. Okay. And then also Jason, can you let us know? We'll go back to that. Also, can you tell us about, um, oh, there it is, um, with, with, um, with 10% investments in, in, in myself, how can, how do I invest when I can't, um, be, oh, with the, when I'm not familiar with the stock market? So how can you invest if you're not really familiar? So how can the person who wants, who would like to invest 10% in themselves, how can they do that if they're not familiar with the stock market? What do you suggest? On, on a better way of understanding how to invest. Can you help? Well, it does depend. Wants- it it does depend on your personality type. And what I mean by that, you have the DIYs, right? The do-it-yourselfers, where they can read read books and you know, kind of educate themselves and then start to put it into practice, right? Mm-hmm. Then you have individuals where it's just they're 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 not. Right. Like, for example, myself, I don't do anything around the house. Like, I need a professional has to come in. I'm not fixing pipes and building, you know, <laughs> anything, anything like nature. Right. Mm-hmm. So in that scenario, I, I bring in a professional, you know, and exactly. I let the professional do what the professional um, has the expertise, in, you know. And so um, you can be either way. Either way works, mm-hmm. you know, but the idea is. No one can help you until you're at the position or where you, in terms of you helping yourself or having a professional help you if you're not at least putting aside the 10%, right? Or whatever dollar amount that is, you know, as far as that goes, you know? And so that's, that's where it starts, you know? That's great. Um, you know, and, and you kind of, you know, kind of go from there. Man, that's really good. That's really good. That's true. Because so many people, they think they can, a jack of all trades, they can do everything and then they mess everything up and they wonder why everything is a shambles. Because that's not your gift. <laughs> you know, stick with your gift. Stick yeah. with what you know how to do. Hey, Amen. That's really, really good. Wow. Great. That's great. Um, now, this is one question, Jason, that I noticed a lot of married couples, you know, they struggle with. And um, so how can you manage your finances between your spouses? How can what's a good way to help married couples manage their finances together? Well, I mean, I'll tell you in terms of how my wife and I do it. Everything goes into one pot, you know, for us. And, but I'm also married to an auditor and, you know, as, as me even being a financial advisor, I don't do any finance in the household because that's her gift, you know, 
I can invest it. I can, you know, theorize it, say, okay, we should do this, do that. But she does the actual mechanics of it. So you have to lean on your spouse's gift, right? Mm-hmm. Some are better at the other things than others, regardless of what your profession is, you know, um, as far as that goes. Um, and so that's the easiest way in terms of, of how to handle it, but it always isn't the best way for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. But I will say this, the more separate things are, the more communication you have to have. That's right? good. And so That's what good. I mean by that is that if you have separate accounts and you have money going mm-hmm. different places and everyone kind of does their own thing, you just kind of, you pay a bill, I pay a bill, I'm saving mm-hmm. one way, my, my, my spouse is saving another way. It just mm-hmm. takes that much more communication to keep it together. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times what happens is in terms of what the struggle is, is that you, you, if you do operate in that manner is you're not communicating enough. And then that's where the friction comes in because one person is doing one thing and you have no idea what's going on. Another person is doing another thing. And so um, depending on your relationship, in order to, to really calm down the friction, it makes sense to put things together. Mm-hmm. For others, if, you, if you're great communicators and you, you, you're a couple that really talks a lot and engages a lot, mm-hmm. then, yeah, you can operate where things are more separate from that standpoint and you come together but you can't you you gotta you gotta you know you gotta really know who you are and where and where you are in that and then you have to make a a a somewhat tough choice because when it comes to money you know it it can be very very difficult to say okay let's let's put everything together you know Mm -hmm. but understand if it's not you really have to communicate you have to be do go above and beyond to be on the same page or else you're gonna have really tough yeah, and you might not better make this twenty five years. <laughs> you have to. Yeah. You have to find. You have to know what works for your household. It's funny because at when me and my husband first started out, we started out together. No, we started out separate. He had an account. I had an account. He did this. I did this. And and it and then it was working pretty good. But then he said, "Let's come together." Lord, that together. <laughs> I didn't. It didn't work for us. But it caused more friction. And so what I noticed when we, but we still have our accounts together, but we handle, he handles certain things. I handle certain things. And you're right about the communication. It's all about communication. It works for us because he, I tell him, oh, this is what's going on at the salon. This is what's going on with this. He tells me, this is what's going on with this. This is going on with that. And then what we do is we come together. Just like we had, we had plumbing issues yesterday. I said, oh, babe, the plumbing issues is going on. This is what happened. We always are in communication with what's going on in, in each other's, in, in, the, in the finances. Sometimes when I don't want to talk about it, he does. So you kind of have to know when to talk about the finances. But I had to learn. My husband is, that's, that's what he does. That's his gift. So he helps me in so many areas with that. But it's so true. Communication works. If you do have separate accounts and you do it different ways, communication is the key. I heard some people tell me that they pay everything half. They split it down half. If it's $3,000 a month, he pays $1,500, she pays $1,500. That works for them. In marriage, it has to work for you. It can work. Jason's way how he said him and his wife does it it can work me and my husband's way where he does certain things I do certain things and it all and it's been 25 years we're doing great so we're in our silver year our silver year it works 
or it can be others half and half. It just depends on the um your spouse. So there is not a right or wrong. I love how you said that. It's not a right or wrong. It's how it works for you. That was great, Jason. That was really good. Thank you so much for that. Wow, Jason, I tell you, this is it's been really good. I have another question. So um, what advice can you give someone who desires to work in your career? Can you kind of tell us what advice can you give? Well, Robin, you and I both know the, the self-employed life, right? Mm -hmm. And so the idea with being a financial advisor or just being self-employed in general, you have to really have a lot of discipline yes. and a, a really good work ethic. And specifically with financial advising, you really have to find a niche, you know? Um, and so whatever, when I say niche, like I said at the beginning, like my niche is retirement planning, college planning, tax, specialized tax planning. Um, so I can speak to an area and really have an impact if you try to be go to someone and be everything to what they can what you can offer and not be specific a lot of times it's very difficult for them to gravitate to you because unless they know you and, and like you already because they don't it, they, there's nothing for them to really grab on in terms of how you can specifically help them mm -hmm. you know um so you want to you want to develop a niche and within that niche grow and 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 use that as a way to be able to market and have an impact that's good that's really good wow wow oh that's really good so so jason what school did you attend uh what what college did you attend to get your degree where did you i went to you? cal state dominguez hills which is in carson mm -hmm. um area and I actually transferred there from west los angeles college i kind of didn't didn't know where I wanted to go out of high school, so I just went to West LA, mm -hmm. and then I, I transferred to Dominguez. Spent about three years there, and, uh, and graduated. Man, wow! You've been doing this for over, um, you know, like what nineteen years. That's a blessing. Yeah. that is a blessing. And I see you. You you're doing great. You beautiful home, beautiful family. Um, it's just good to see you just thriving. You and your family thriving. So it's working. It's definitely working. Amen. Um, if you, anyone has any questions, please put in the chat so that, you know, Jason can answer any of the questions you might have. I think I see one here. It says, um, what are your thoughts on those who have some extra cash flows and wants to invest in, um, I can't pronounce this. Can you see it, Jason? Oh, I can't pronounce that. Carol. I, I'm not looking at the chat. Let's see. Uh, what's it called? Crypto Crypto Crypto. Oh. Cryptocurrencies. cryptocurrencies yeah currency. let's talk about oh that. cryptocurrency so, cryptocurrency oh yeah that's the new thing thank you carol <laughs> so so i'll answer the question and then i'll also elaborate a little bit so the whole i think idea with cryptocurrencies is invest what you're okay with losing i call it your oops money mm, right that's good if, if you lose it you lose it if, if it grows tremendously like it has the last couple of years, then great. But don't put more in than what you can afford to lose because it is a lot of risk there. You know, um, we don't know at this point between Bitcoin and Ethereum and Dogecoin or whichever one, which is the cryptocurrency that's actually going to be there in five years and which one may go away. And literally it can happen overnight. 
So, um, so you put your oops money in, but the, in general, the idea with the stock market in general is that think of the stock market like a balloon Mm -hmm. and you're going to blow up the balloon, right? Mm -hmm. So to blow up a balloon, you have to pump air into it. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the air in the stock market kind of comes from a few sources. One, it comes from you and me when we spend money. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, That's that's the that's the most direct way that that money that money goes in stock markets when we buy from Target or we buy from Macy's or we buy from different places. Mm -hmm. Their earnings grows and that makes people want to invest in the company more. Right. Mm -hmm. But it also. um, air comes into the stock market balloon when taxes are lower, because why? When taxes are lower, what happens? There's more money not just in you and I hands, but there's more money in the company's hands, so they can grow their company, they can expand, and 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 in with the with the idea of earning more money, right? Mm-hmm. And then the third way that um, that the air in the stock market market balloon is pumped up is when what we call the Federal Reserve, the people that kind of help manage the banking system, when they pump money into the system, that's when they're giving money to the banks to allow the banks to give us more money to, to, to lend us for buying a home or for credit cards or for buying cars and things of that nature. So I say it to say, when, when all, th- all three forms of that air is going into the balloon, the balloon expands very, very massively, right? And so what's going on right now is all all three forms of air is basically being pumped into the balloon right now. And when that happens, you have investments grow tremendously because there's so much money out there. People are spending money, people are making money, and people have money, right, to do all those things. And when that happens, you have what's called bubbles that form. We call it housing bubbles. And then you also have asset bubbles. That's a long way of what I'm describing the saying where cryptocurrency right now is one of those asset bubbles. That's when you see something grow a thousand percent in a couple years, that's a bubble. Okay. That eventually, just like any balloon, when you blow it up long enough, what's going to happen? It's going to pop. Mm-hmm. And when it pops, what happens? All the air dissipates and the balloon, you know, breaks into a million pieces and you have to clean up the mess, right? Wow. That's kind of where we're at right now in terms of the stock market in general is we, we have this huge balloon that's, that's been pumped up and at some point it will pop. It's just, it always happens. Whether it's, it's a dot-com back in 2000 or back in 2008, you know, when we had the crisis and, mm-hmm. and it's being pumped up again. This is a natural cycle, natural process. So that's why I'm saying only invest invest in the cryptocurrencies your oops money that you can afford to lose that's because when, you know you can't time when something is gonna pop right. That's great. And so that's hopefully great. you 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 put something in with the right timing and it grows tremendously. You're able to get it out before anything you know it pops and and you can you make some money. But it's always a chance that you lose money too. That's great. That's you really know? good. So. So that's where we're at right now. So, you know, depending on the experts you listen to, you know, the market can continue to go up another year, couple years. And then, you know, you know, we'll start to see what happens after that. But but the idea is, is that it can only be pumped up for so long before 
things have to reset themselves. And so we're in the pump up phase. We've been in it for a, for a while now. And, you know, we'll see when it's ready to reset itself. And you just have to be ready for that. Amen. Man. Okay. Another question is any tips if anyone who would like to any invest in commercial um, estate? What do you think about that? You said commercial estate? Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, that's that's I'm, a, I'm trying to think if they're referring to like property or um like um like what kind of commercial are you referring to? Can you put it in the chat? Commercial real estate. Oh, commercial real estate. Yes. Um. Mm-hmm. Well, if you if you do invest in commercial real estate, you want to make sure that the real estate is with more like a, a long-term anchor type company. So I'll give you an example. You have Amazon, which especially through the pandemic is making boatloads of money and they're expanding, they're building warehouses all around the country. You know, I, um, I think I believe the West Side Pavilion Mall and partially is being used by Amazon now as a warehouse to distribute the Amazon products, right? Mm-hmm. So I say it to say, that's the level of commercial real estate that you want to try to be a part of. What you don't want to be try to be a part of is commercial real estate where it's more um, small business related mm-hmm. because as the economy turns and as I was describing when the bubble or, or balloon bursts, mm-hmm. that area of commercial real estate is hit first because mm-hmm. smaller businesses that are leveraged um, more and don't have the same type of assets tend to you know, have to go out of business, for like a better term. And it's hard to, to find, um, it's hard to find um, new businesses that are moving in relatively short term. We do know if you can hold the commercial real estate long enough, you, it's a great asset to have, but you have to be able to manage the expenses in the meantime, which means you have to have renters, right? And so, if you can invest to a degree of you knowing that you have a long term you know company that that you that you don't have a dad will be there great mm-hmm. if not, then yeah, you have to really evaluate that for sure and That's get with right. a good commercial real estate agent that can really you know obviously walk you through through all of that but wow. that's kind of my perspective on it. Thank you, Jason. Well, Jason, it was an honor to have you here with us. I tell you, it's such a blessing. I'm super excited um, that you took the time out. We would love to have you come on again. We learned so much from you. It was outstanding. Once again, you showed out once again. <laughs> so knowledgeable yeah. and such a beautiful person. Thanks for having me. You are more than welcome. His information is at the bottom of the screen. If you would like to... Um, write that down, jot that down so you can contact him for further information. If you would like him to be your investor, I'm telling he is amazing. I love him. He has character. He's just, just outstanding. So we just wanted us to take the time and thank you, Jason, for just coming out and we love you. If you would like to leave a seat to faith over facts or, um, W uh, Robert Wilson Ministries, please do so. Please do so now. Please leave a, your seed. You can put that in. The, um, it's already in our on the screen. You can leave a seed. We're going to go ahead and close out with a song that the Lord had put in my heart for us to close out with. 
blessings unto you all. You too, we're going to have to say bye to you now. Thank you for joining us. You are such a blessing. We'll see you next time. But as for Faith Over Facts, do Facebook. Enjoy the worship song now. Love you. Thank you so much for joining Faith Over Facts once again. Blessings. Please share this with someone. It will change their lives. Thank you, Jason. You are such a blessing. So outstanding. We love you. Thank you for joining Faith Over Facts. I am Robin Renee Wilson. Blessings to you all. Bye.